0: So welcome, everybody. And I hope you're well, taking care. And bring your attention, start to bring your attention to yourself right now. And don't be stingy. There is sometimes we'll like be a little bit tentative when we make that effort, but what would it be like if we were really extravagant with our attention, with our care to ourselves? And that you're here to discover something for you. And... and you're going to give yourself your full permission to have that be the center of gravity, not going out in any way to perform or to make somebody else happy, but you're here for you, for this little bit of time that you have. This is what we're here for. And I'm I'm I've been thinking lately that I've finally discovered what interests me the most. And it certainly took me a long time in in terms of if I could do anything or give anything to anybody or serve a purpose with this teaching or my writing, it would be this to help people find their own deepest wisdom. Why did I not know that before? And and so I've been thinking about wisdom and I'm supposed to talk about it tomorrow too at the room and if you want to come back and Wisdom, wisdom as opposed to knowledge is something, it's like I was always captivated by the beauty of candlelight during the day. It seems like an extravagance, but it really shows up in the dark. Something that seems so inconsequential, so tiny, a little tiny light, nothing, in the dark, it means everything. And that little bit of light is exactly how it feels. Have you ever been devastated? Have you ever felt like everything that you trusted just collapsed? In the midst of a feeling of betrayal or disappointment, in that moment, some great loss. Sometimes a tiny bit of warmth inside you, inside yourself, a tiny bit of willingness to just be here, to just see what might come next is suddenly immensely important. It's everything. Wisdom as opposed to knowledge, and there are really smart people in the Zoom room. Lots of knowledge, but wisdom is a crystallization of experience it's seeing the truth in what we're living. And one of the characteristics of wisdom is that we usually find it when we feel like we've completely screwed up. We have completely blown it. And I, I finally, I have been thinking, thinking, Here's an example from my life. Years ago, quite a few years ago, I was captivated in my ego by the idea of being a really good mother. I've since abandoned that idea, but I really wanted to be a good mother. So I went with my daughter to one of her favorite places on earth, Disney Animal Kingdom, Disney Animal Kingdom. She adored all things to do with Disney, that attention to detail. And I have to admit I was impressed because I've been to India and they did an incredible job of creating these little Indian villages leading up to a ride that I agreed to take called Expedition. Everest. So my ego is completely full of the idea that I was going to be supportive and do this thing that my daughter thought was going to be incredibly fun. This this basically it's a roller coaster, but is, that does not do it justice. It was far more than a roller coaster. And I was full of of this image of myself is good natured. And and I was captivated by this quote from Anthony Bourdain, where he says, your body is not a temple. It's an amusement park. Enjoy the ride. So I was going to enjoy the ride. So. And I'm thinking, how bad could it be? They buckle you in, and in three or four minutes, it's all over. So I'm buckled into this ride, and I've left my Indian village And I'm slowly going up towards the first base camp and all of a sudden, and my daughter's getting all excited, like, let's throw our arms up in the air. But I heard this strange sound. It was like a moan. It was a moan. It wasn't like a moan. It was a moan. And it was coming out of me. And it wasn't wasn't like a fun sound, it was like a hospital sound. It was an ancient sound of misery and fear. And by then the ride is going straight up and then catapults straight down into the dark. And I suddenly realized, this is wisdom, I suddenly realized death is real, <laughs> just like the Buddha. It's not, this ride is simulating death. And my daughter had been saying, No one dies on these rides, or almost never. But as we came back up out of the dark, I realized something else. And I'm not trained as a therapist, but suddenly I had a penetrating insight into the nature of trauma. It's not what happens to you, it's what happens inside you in relation to what happens to you. So I'm going straight up, and I realize I could have a heart attack. A person my age has no business being strapped into a ride like this, has nothing to do with how safe it is. I can have a heart attack. And as I realized that, we get to the top of Mount Everest and there, this yeti appears. And then you go plummeting straight down to earth. And obviously, I've lived to tell the tale. But my point is that, that wisdom appears, and it might sound silly, wisdom appears right in the midst of that impression that you have made a terrible mistake. I have made a terrible mistake. I have strapped myself into the wrong ride. I've gone to the wrong event. I've embarked on the wrong relationship and I should not have had that second or third or fifth glass of wine. Whatever it is, but And it might sound like I'm being silly, but there is a moment in the midst of this crashing sorrow or fear or despair when we suddenly realize that it wasn't ever our thinking, our planning, our ego, or what we thought we knew. But this other presence that was with us, that was seeing. And I mentioned Bourdain. He also said when he he talked about how the more he traveled, the more he realized there was still so much more to see. And, and famously, or it's become a meme, where he said, maybe that's enlightenment enough to know that there's no resting, final resting place of the mind. No moment of smug clarity. Knowing that you're small and unwise and strapped into the wrong ride and I just want to emphasize that that moment of feeling small, of feeling tired, of, oh, I'm overwhelmed, or, oh, I said the wrong thing, I did the wrong thing, I'm so uncomfortable, is also a moment when, even if you don't notice it at the time, another presence has entered. Just for that moment, you don't have such a tight grip on ego, on knowing. You're open almost in spite of yourself, and often you don't see it until after the fact. To the fact, the deeper truth that there's more to you than thinking. There's more to you than presenting in a certain way. There's more to you than getting it right, than looking good and being completely impeccable in your behavior. You're here to open to something else that can barely, it really can't be named. And in, in in Western tradition, wisdom, Sophia, Sophia, the feminine is witness. She witnesses creation. She's with us. Especially when we've just made a mess of things. She's here, reminding us that there is a presence in us that's greater than any of our thinking. There's something in us that knows what matters, that knows we're more than our thinking. So let's sit together and know something. And just let yourself take a comfortable seat and notice how it feels, uh, as I said earlier, to just be extravagantly kind to yourself, which means letting yourself be completely and kindly welcome to be just like this, to be here today like this. And just notice how it feels to be here, without any kind of comment or evaluation, just notice how it feels to be here, and let that attention, without comment, without judging, just soften you. and notice that there may be places of tension in your body or in your face or in your neck, wherever it is, just notice that you can bring attention to it. And let that attention soften and open you. And notice how it feels to be completely accepted, just like this, every edge, every posture, if anxiety is present, let it be present. An edge of nervousness or fatigue or sorrow, let it be welcome. let yourself rest in stillness and in the company of others who are just like you, seeking presence, ease, opening. And see that when you drift into thinking, you can notice this without any kind of judgment and gently come back to the body, back to the sensation of being present. Notice that this stillness is alive. It surrounds us and fills us, nourishing and supporting us. You may notice a light of attention inside you. and Maybe you don't experience it as light, but warmth, willingness. A willingness to open to life. to receive. Meditation is a practice of remembering, of coming home to sensation, coming home to presence. remembering that we belong to life. yourself be really, really still. And notice that stillness welcomes you back when you go into thinking. You can come back. taking refuge in stillness, in presence. Remember the life in you that's deeper than thinking. The responsiveness, the willingness to be here. Noticing that everything is worthy of interest and kindness, every feeling that comes up, every distraction, welcome. Notice in these last few moments how it feels to give up all striving. Thank you for your attention for your practice. And if you have uh, questions or comments about practice, we'd love to hear them. And it came to my attention that on Wednesday, a couple of people were trying to get my attention and I didn't see them. Um, And I don't always see every single box. Um, So if if you wish to speak and it and it's there's stillness, please just speak.
1: Uh, if you want to, I wish to speak. <laughs> um, okay. I I think this might be very obvious, but yet I don't know the answer, and it's bothering me. So I. I was I couldn't sit still for this one literally or figuratively just restless legs restless mind everything and I was thinking of two things one is why is it so hard sometimes why is it sometimes so beautiful and easy and great and why is it sometimes so difficult and just when you said you know welcome to the idea of not striving or, or something about striving. I'm like, that's when I just sort of opened my eyes and kind of, I was about to say gave up. It was okay. It was actually far less difficult to sit and look out the window than it was to sit with my eyes closed and, and less, I don't know, connected or not connected. The idea of welcoming every emotion versus the idea of inviting, because I was thinking all this week about inviting feelings, inviting, but what, but I don't welcome, I don't want to welcome the feelings of frustration and irritation. um
0: Right. yeah. I mean, you're asking a, a really crucial question that we all share. And it feels like I don't want to invite these people, these beings, this restlessness. So first of all, um, this bears repeating again and again. Um, the Buddha wouldn't talk about meditation so much. Almost never. He preferred Cultivation, bhavana, to cultivate like a field, tilling a field. That that so you you come to this place and you are hoping for a better state. Where you know we want, we're hoping for a better state all the time—a special state, some reprieve from our usual state doesn't come, does the opposite. Sometimes it just magnifies your restlessness and frustration and annoyance and irritation. You can feel at complete odds with the instructions like, give me a break you know, and all that. But what you're doing is cultivating this intention to come back to yourself. So here's what you find. And it's like, I don't want to find this. I want to find like calm and peaceful and deep. I want to invite sensitivity or quiet. Not all this restlessness and stuff, but this is almost, not almost, without noticing it What you're cultivating is this capacity to be present with this stuff. And, you know, when I talk about moments, I am really talking about the tiniest moment. Like when you noticed, oh, I can look out the window. And that, which is really quite skillful. Or if you're practicing alone, oh, you know what? I could do walking meditation. I could go outside and take a walk, but what is still being practiced is this interest that you might not even really be feeling fully, but that's still present. This interest in seeing yourself, in experiencing yourself, in doing something other than just going out. And sometimes it doesn't feel pleasant it doesn't. And then what is that wisdom is noticing? Well, we don't usually notice that that we're always seeking a a joy or a pleasant state. And what we're really here to do is to invite ourselves to see the truth. And and the truth is that we're often restless and distracted and suffering. And in the midst of it, presence is possible for a moment. Does that make sense? So if, if you liberate the practice from meditation at some kind of special state and start to really embrace the idea that this is seeking, this is, this is investigation. This is cultivation. So what you're seeing maybe is, oh, this is like the momentum of traveling and hosting. And so you stop and the momentum is still going. And or not to even analyze it for you. Um, but, but, oh, this is what it's like right now. This is what it's like right now. Because I promise you that what what this will cultivate over time is this widening ability to practice no matter what. So it's like then restlessness restless becomes interesting for a moment, anger,
1: very interesting. Does that make sense? It does it does I mean and I and I know these things from it's just interesting to go from a place of knowing the words and the concepts to really feeling them. but yes, that does help a lot.
0: yeah it's like sometimes it's just like you're strapped into this bad ride and it's like you just want to get off. I know. <laughs> But, and you can just see, this is how it feels. Yeah.
2: Hi, Tracy, I have a practice question. Um, but Thank you for reminding me of that ride. I took it with my children and I thought I'm never leaving. It's a small world again, but um, um, yeah. yeah animatrons and slow moving boats. <laughs> but um, my question, my practice question is about a particular kind of dukkha. So um, sometimes um, we we want something very much in youth and we do receive it, but we don't receive it until middle age. And um, people often say that it's never too late, but some some things are too late. And so when we receive it, we we realize that it's just, it's, it's wonderful, but it's too late. And that, that, um, you know, receiving something in the autumn of our life, as opposed to the spring of our life is not, it's, 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 it's past. Um, and, and how do we work with those states of dukkha where it's not the dukkha of, you know, um, you know, um, getting a shiny new object and having it scratched. But the dukkha of realizing that this experience that we thought would be so precious to us, we're never going to have um, that kind of dukkha. And okay. maybe for the teachings.
0: That's a, a juicy kind of dukkha. Um, um, and I sat around this little um, dispatch uh, that quotes Rilke. And I'm not going to quote him but uh, paraphrase and because it's far too beautiful to uh, butcher. So here I go butchering. Um, he describes in a letter that sorrow, most of our sorrows and that can include what you say, the the poignancy of too late or even the small sorrow of bad sitting, I was hoping for a good sitting and it, is terrible. Um, our sorrows are actually. This is coming from me now, Roka. Our stories, our ideas, our constructs are proving to be untrustworthy and false. They're just breaking, like rungs in a ladder. We step on it, it breaks. And a lot of the bad feelings we fear, this great sorrow, this great disappointment, um, I've wanted this all my life. And whatever it is, it's actually a construct that's, that's falling apart. And what's extraordinary is that in that moment, as painful or poignant as it can seem, That's when another presence enters. And Rilke, unmistakably Rilke, said, this is our future coming to us like a stranger in the house coming to change us and be changed and that might sound like I don't want to hear it Um, it means that in that moment when things are coming crashing down another possibility is appearing for us another fate just when you think in your great story oh too late how sad in your story arc, is this is going to be a tragedy. Just then, this glimmer of presence appears. Oh, I could have a whole new life I didn't expect. And that doesn't turn out to be a kind of story or a fairy tale or a happy ending. It means in the present moment, I can have this life, this vibrancy, this capacity for this radical acceptance even for for this wild and restless woman who turns out to be myself (laughs) who's interested in nothing and this this capacity of heart this capacity of attention this generosity of being that enters in our darkest moment and shows us that a new kind of future is possible. Does that make sense to you at all? It's that, actually
2: incredibly helpful to think of it it's, as a construct.
0: It is a construct. And here's something that, that it can sound so dark, but it's so hard. This awakening, this enlightenment is a destructive process. It's not something that affirms our stories and our constructs and helps us get there. It's something that shows us that all our ideas, whether it's what a perfect sitting is or what a happy ending is or too little, too late, they're just ideas. And that who we are, who we really are, is completely mysterious and unknown to us and something that comes to us in moments. That like Mary Oliver said that when she's talking about a world full of miracles, she said the moment when you can come from delight or, or damage to the comfort of a poem, the scar of damage is a miraculous moment. That you, here is something that feels so tragic, but here you are. And in the course of your sitting, maybe you had one moment of freedom. Letting yourself look out the window or be here. So, yeah. and I've quoted this to death, but it it bears repeating, John Cage was talking about art as, and it's true of practice, it's the ability to bear the embarrassment of being ourselves. That this practice is, is, is like, oh my God, and I can swear my capacity to bear myself And all my ridiculous, ill advised blurts or humanity grows. And as it does, compassion grows. This thing called wisdom grows. What matters and what really doesn't matter.
3: Hey Tracy yeah hi it's um uh I too have been on that roller coaster and the one terrifying piece um that you didn't add to it was that the after the yeti the rest of the ride is backwards as I remember <laughs> um and it, um, it's, so bad. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty scary uh and my daughter walked off saying it wasn't scary enough as I remember the um but in relation to Elizabeth thing, it kind of um, all kind of got together for me because uh, I, I was tapping into the idea of we live life forwards, but understand it backwards. And the Wright was almost perfect for that. Um, in your answer to Elizabeth, because of this idea of these constructs and I'm hoping I'm understanding it correctly. As we're living it forwards, we, we see these constructs in one way and then on reflection, we maybe see those constructs in a completely different way. Yeah. So um, this thing appears into life now that we may have wanted before, and we realize, oh, this is we're giving we were giving that thing meaning then that it doesn't have the same meaning now. We see it differently now in retrospect.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's true. That's really. I'm glad you tied it in with the yeti, ride in And Kierkegaard um, and. Expedition Everest in one sentence. But yeah, it's like we're striving all the time. And there, we have such a yearning to be happy, to be fulfilled, to have what we think we need, and to fulfill this quest. And then when we look back, the most surprising things appear. And the most surprising, and typically it's moments. It's like, um, when, and often we realize that when somebody dies that um, it wasn't anything they did, it was their presence we miss. And in our own lives, um, I think wisdom is beginning to live forward with an openness to the unknown. And the unknown is an Everest, you know, some great overwhelming experience that comes from outside, but a willingness to open to our own experience that there is something within us, something that's here. And again, it's just like a candlelight in daylight that we don't know to, this capacity for presence, for stillness, for being with life, that we're constantly discounting. And, and uh, that, detail, like it's background. And, and no, it's not, it's possible to create a whole life, moment by moment by moment, opening to how it feels to be here. And including if it's an unpleasant moment, restlessness or physical pain I did something slightly new this time. I let myself be just this way. Does that make sense? And you're right, that ride mm-hmm. to go, it went straight backwards and down.
3: <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>
0: And this I mean, as it comes time to end, like I remember coming away thinking, who needs to simulate death? <laughs> like That there, there's this, of course, young people, um, don't think they'll ever die. This idea that we so need something strong enough to get through to us. But maybe all we need to do is just let ourselves be. And that that is what turns the knob and opens the door. It just starts without letting be. And with this kind of extravagant kindness and allowing, oh, I'm restless, tired, heartbroken. This is how it feels. And that, I think, is love. So let's take our seat. Exactly like we are. And just notice that, just for a moment. It was just like this today. Just like this. And notice how it feels to let that be. And put two hands in our heart space and dedicate this allowing, this attention to ourselves and to all beings everywhere without exception. May all beings be safe and protected from harm, including judgments. May all beings everywhere take refuge in stillness, in presence in kindness. May all beings everywhere know that they belong just like this. May all beings everywhere be free. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for your practice. Thank you for your presence.
1: Thank Thank you. you Thank you
0: for the whole thing. Thank Thank you. you. Take good care. Thank you. And see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you.